0: Fourth image of the church that we want to talk about is the image that's talked about in Scripture of the family, and uh, I need to start out by giving you a definition. If you looked in Webster's dictionary to try to find out what is a family, uh, this is what the definition would say. It says a group of people united by certain convictions or a common affiliation. Now look at that: a group of people united by certain convictions or a common affiliation. Well, that that can take you through a lot of different parts of life when you think about that. This uh, uh, Certain convictions are, are common affiliation. Uh, I graduated from Auburn University, so I could say, hey, I'm a part of a Auburn family. I pledged a fraternity, Lambda Chi Alpha, and served there, and I'd say, well, I'm a part of the Lambda Chi family. I worked for eight and a half years for the Bell System, and they would talk about that we were a part of the family of the bell system the funny thing there is that they said the longer you're there the more you'll get a bell-shaped head and what that meant was you'll begin to think more like a phone company person and over time you'll be transformed into the bell system okay but that is because we had that common affiliation we were part of family And we also know family about saying, hey, if I'm born into a family, adopted into a family, we think about moms and dads and, and all of that. And so you you see the idea of family. Well, in the Old Testament, it talked about how that God had a family and that was the nation of Israel. And it said that nation of Israel would be God's chosen people, God's family, because they had something in common and that was the covenant. And so there's this covenant agreement that God had with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they were the people of God. And they were to be a holy priesthood. And they were to be this kingdom of priests. But yet they constantly rebelled against God. And so God came to the point to where we see in the New Testament to where he then began to have another covenant. And it was a covenant that made to be a part of the family of God available to every person. And in this covenant, It was when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, because he says, you know, man still has the same problem that they had since the Garden of Eden, and that is that man has sinned, and because he sinned, he has separated himself from a holy God. And man spends most of his days thinking, how do I get connected to this holy God when I am a sinful man? And so what God did was he took his own son, Jesus, who came, lived the perfect life, and then went to a cross, and he died for our sins. And as he goes to the cross and his blood was shed, his blood was being shed to cover the penalty of all of our sins. And then three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. And when he did, it showed that death did not have a hold on him and sin didn't have a hold on him. He conquered both of those. He ascended to heaven. And then he says, I'll be the mediator between you and God. This is this new covenant. My blood has been spread for you. And he's God, Jesus and God say, I provide, provide you a grace gift, a gift of salvation. And if you will accept Christ as the one who paid that penalty for you, and if you will accept him into your life and say, I want you to come and I want you to be the Lord, the master, the boss of my life, then the Bible says you become a part of God's family. We call it that you are saved. And in John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. So look at that. If you received him, he says, you have the right to become a child of God. So when you become a child of God, that means you are in God's family. In fact, when Jesus was was talking uh, to a man and, and he was asking some questions about how does all this happen, Jesus says, you must be born again wonderful picture. You're going to be born again. Your whole life, it changes. You become born into the family of God. And then when you get a little bit further in New Testament, they use the picture of adoption to say that what God has done is he's adopted us into his family. Galatians 4, 4 through 5. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law for this purpose, to redeem those who were under the law. That's us. Jesus came, born of Mary, he came to redeem us from the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So you've got two pictures, either born in the family of God or you're being adopted into the family of God. And what God does, he says, I'm choosing you and I'm offering you this plan of salvation. If you accept this plan of salvation, you become adopted into my family. We become a part of the family of God. And so what happens is, is you say, if you're a believer, you're a part of God's family. But then he goes a step further. And he says, when my family comes together in the church, the church is like a family. And he talks about it as the church is the household of God or the church is the family of God. First Timothy chapter 3, 14 and 15. The Apostle Paul is writing a letter to a young pastor who is pastoring a congregation. And this is what he tells him. I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, if I'm not able to get with you, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. He told this young pastor, he says, the congregation that you've got right here, it's like a family. and I'm going to share with you of how you need to behave in the family. Then he goes two chapters later in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, and look what he says. He says, don't rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Treat younger men like brothers, older women like mothers, younger women like sisters in all purity. So what he's telling this young pastor is, is that as you start dealing with people, when you deal with folks that are older than you, treat them as a father, When you see some of the ladies that are older than you, then you treat them as a mother. And you treat the the, uh, other guys, the younger guys, like a brother and the younger girls like a sister. Because, you see, we're all a part of the family. The verse of Scripture that Tracy uh, quoted up there on the bumper message is found in Ephesians 2.19 in the Living Bible. And it says, Now you're no longer strangers to God and foreigners to heaven. But you are members of God's very own family, citizens of God's country, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. Wow. What God has done is he has given us the church as our spiritual church for our own, for our spiritual family, for our own benefit. And when you join a local church, you become a part of that church's family. Whenever people join here at the end of the service, I will always say, if you're excited about them coming to be a part of the Shades Mountain family, will you say, Amen? And I say, You're becoming a part of the Shades Mountain family. So if you're a member of Shades Mountain Baptist Church, welcome to the family. We are all a part of the family. And as Michael said earlier, in every family, I hear people say, Every family's got a crazy uncle. Is that correct? Now, I want you to look around because you got some crazy uncles uh, in here. And this is difficult for me because see, I got some nieces over here and they know who the crazy uncle is in the family anyway. So uh, I, I'm crazy uncle both ways uh, on there. But yes, there are some crazy uncles and sometimes there's some difficult people. But guess what? We are all a part of the family. Now, when you say the word family, just as you've heard us talking, you saw it on the video, you've heard Michael talk about it, me, talk about it every one of you has a certain point of reference. For some of you, when you say the word family, it's a very affectionate term. It's an affectionate term because when you think about it, it engenders these fond memories. Uh, You think about the strong, loving, supporting family, and you just get all gushy inside and you say family. I love it. And to know that I'm a part of the family here at Shades Mountain, it just makes me feel even better. And, And that is wonderful. But I know that there are others that are here that when I say the word family, the first word you think of is dysfunction. And because you came from a family, that there was a great deal of dysfunction. And that seems to best fit your family. For some, your thoughts will go to the thing that family produces pain. Family produces disappointment. Family produces rejection. Family produces abuse. And so when you think about family... It's not really a good term for you. What I want you to understand when we talk about that the church is the family of God and that we as individual members are part of that family, we're trying to look at it through God's lenses and as how God sees the family and the ideal family what it should be. Now, when I think about that, when it uses the family of God, I just begin to write things to what I see that as. I see it as accepting a family that's accepting, affirming, a safe place. A place that teaches and lays out boundaries. A place where they're sharing, self-control, looking out for the needs of others. Family members who've got your back and family members who have your best interest in mind. Family is strength, acceptance. It's a place where you can come. And you can feel comfortable and know that you are accepted. And so when we think about the family of God and we think about the local church and we think specifically about Shades Mountain Baptist Church, the word says that we are family. And that's one of the beautiful images of the church. Now, when you look around and you say, okay, if I'm a part of this family in the church, when I look around, I see that I don't have a lot in common with these people around here. Because you see, when we look around to everyone, we'll see that we come from a lot of different areas. We have different backgrounds. We're born in different states, different careers, have different interests. We have different hobbies. Some people here are single. Some are married. Some are divorced. Some are widowed. So there's all kinds of differences in here. But we do have something in common. And that is really the definition of a family. Is that you've got that commonality. And what we have in common is that we have the same story. And the same story is that we've been lost and we've been saved through the grace of Jesus Christ. What we have that is common is that we have Jesus Christ in our lives. and That's what makes us common for every person that is sitting here. And every person that sits here has, in essence, a common story. That is that you have sinned, I have sinned, every one of us has sinned. And we know that without the saving grace of Jesus Christ, we would die in our sins and spend eternity separated from God. But because of God's incredible mercy, he provided us that opportunity to receive Christ as Savior. So we've all got the same story. We're lost, we're saved, and we struggle. And that is because every person in here struggles through life and every person in here has got another commonality and that is we are all broken vessels we're all broken vessels and because of that brokenness we will struggle through life and we depend on the power of God to help us day by day to make it through life and you see no one struts into the presence of God when you were lost and you heard the gospel, you didn't strut into the presence of God and say, hey, I know you want me on your team because I've got a lot to offer to you. Not at all. You came humbly with a contrite spirit and a broken heart and you pleaded for mercy and you said, God, I need your grace more than anything else. That's how you came to God. That's how I came to God. And you don't strut into a church high-fluting thinking that you got it all together, the big righteous person to come in and to bless our church with your membership. None of us can do that. The same humble spirit that we came before God is the same humble spirit that we take when we say, hey, I want to be a part of this family. I'm a fellow struggler, I'm a broken vessel, and this is where I want to be. That's who we are. We have a very common story. We have a common brokenness. But you see, we can all come in here join together as a family and say, you know what, we're gonna put this together and we're gonna live together as this church family and we're gonna accomplish things that God wants us to accomplish. And so that's all this great positive stuff. We come together as believers. But let me tell you what's happening on the other spectrum. The other spectrum is as soon as the day came when you received Christ as savior and then the day came also when you came and became a part of this church or whatever local church you're a part of, Satan kicked it into high gear. Because you see, Satan's goal is to destroy you. Because Satan hates you. You know, so often as I was going through life, I used to think that Satan's desire was to trip me up. That all he wanted to do was try to trip me up. He wanted to take me out of the starting lineup and put me on the bench. That all he wanted to do was just kind of see if I can put a little cold water on your influence and put you over here. But I've learned the more I've read scripture, that's not it at all. He don't want to trip me up. He wants to destroy me because he hates me. And the Bible says, you've either got one of two fathers. Either God is your father or Satan is your father. Because if you don't follow God, then you're following Satan. And what his desire is, is not just to make life uncomfortable with, for you. His desire is to destroy you. He wants to destroy your family He wants to destroy your health. He wants to destroy your career. He wants to destroy your financial standing. He wants to destroy your legacy. He wants to destroy your walk. He wants to destroy your witness. He wants to destroy all that. And so knowing that the enemy is that devious and is that bent on destroying me, it seems that I need family as much as possible. Because I don't need to be a lone ranger out there. I've done enough reading about wild animals and, uh, and predators. And they usually don't go for the, for the herd. They look for the straggler. And when they find the straggler, that's who they go after. And that's why we come together as a church. And that's why we are this family. I read somewhere where it says we're the family of God and we need each other. And it says the church is glue, gasoline, and guts. It's the glue that holds us together when we disagree. It's the gasoline that gets us fired up and keeps us moving forward. And it's the guts to step out and take some risk. So that's who we are. We are a family. So what's the purpose of the church? Here's the fourth purpose of the church. And that is to meet together as a family. Our purpose is to meet together as a family. Which we have the word fellowship. Fellowship. Meet together as a family. Now I know we meet together in worship. But this is a little bit separate. Meet together together. As a family in fellowship. <clears throat> now, you just think about it. When you think about fellowship, you're Southern Baptist, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Whoa, hello. We got a lot of food over here. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, fellowship is, is such a, it's just a churchy word. Uh, you, you know, when you're in the business world, you say, hey, we're going to take a little, a little bit of time for you to mix and mingle, uh, a little grip and grin, uh, take a little bit of time for you to do some networking. But when you come to church, what do we say? We're going to take a few moments in fellowship. Fellowship. That's what we do. We fellowship. And when you think about fellowship, you do think about. You think about casseroles, potluck suppers, ice cream socials, uh, pizza parties, and chili cook-offs. And so that, that is fellowship. In fact, we love fellowship so much, we even name part of our building. Where do we eat Wednesday night suppers? Fellowship Hall. I mean, it's just sort of a giveaway. So what do you do in the fellowship hall? You Fellowship and you eat and just enjoy the company of everyone well that's part of what fellowship is and we need to meet together as a family and we need to have that that time of of fellowship and and to where we share those things that we have in common and we don't just this is not just a southern baptist thing we take it from the book of acts in acts chapter 2 verse 42 look what it says And this is the very first church. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So they devoted themselves this time of fellowship. Verse 46, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. What does that mean? Every day they got together. They were either in the temple or they were in their homes. They were breaking bread together. They were fellowshipping they were living life together they were living in community they were this was family we're a part of the family and we need to meet together and so that's what the first church did and so then i come back to hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 through 25 which every sunday i hit this same verse and it says and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together which means you need to meet together not Neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, look at that verse. Look what they're telling you to do. When you come meet together, what do you do? You consider how to stir up one another in a good sense, not how to get you all angry, but to stir one up together in love, good works, and then he says that we're to encourage one another. Everything in that verse is positive. And that's why we are to meet together. We meet together for the fellowship. It's great to have the worship time, but it's great to have the fellowship time. You show up on a Wednesday night and you've got, you've got the fellowship hall, you've got Wednesday night supper, you see people just coming around, sitting around the tables, talking and eating. And then you'll see people sitting in the concourse and they're just in groups of, of two or three or more and there's just fellow, fellowship time happening. Uh, this past weekend, the ladies had a retreat. And when the ladies had a retreat, it was a Bible study and there was a special speaker and it was great music and everything was wonderful. But I think if you talk to those ladies, they will always, they'll also tell you that one of the highlights was just the fellowship time. Because there were times when we could just sit around as ladies and we could just talk and get to know each other better and just to share. We need that. We need it. and it says that we are to meet together as a family. There's something special about coming together and meeting together as a people. It's, you know, I know today uh, we, can, we can stay in contact so many different ways. We can email, uh, we can uh, send a tweet, we can Instagram, we can Facebook, uh, we can Skype on calls and, you know, all that's good. You would trade most of that to have maybe a five to ten minute face-to-face, handshake to handshake, eyeball-to-eyeball look with someone, wouldn't you? You know, it's amazing because as I talk to people and I'll say, hey, when's the last time you heard so-and-so or talked to so-and-so, they will come back and they don't tell me about the great email they got or the tweet or the picture. They will sit there and say, hey, I was able to meet with them, it was only for five minutes or ten minutes, and how neat it was to be able to see them face-to-face. We need those times. We need those times. You know, I've, I think I told you two years ago, I went to my 40th high school reunion. I'd never been to any of those. And I went to that one, 40 years. And I'd say it was really great because we were all older and nobody was trying to put on airs. We we're just real honest about everything. But I didn't tell you the, 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 the pre-trip uh, part of it, and that is, you know, you had not seen these people in 40 years, so everybody's wondering, hey, you know, hey, how am I going to look, how's everything going to be, whatever, and I drove by, stopped and saw my mom for a few minutes, just visited with her, and I was getting ready to get into the car, and uh, she said, well, who, who do you think is going to be there? So I shared a couple of people, who oh, that'd be great, just listen, um, would you want me to give you a picture of me and your sister Carolyn that you can take and show them? I said, you know what? I don't think so. Um, she said, I can go in and get some. I've got some great pictures of Carolyn and myself. I'm going, I don't know. You know I'm just kind of, Hey, my 86 year old mother and my 62 year old sister. I said, you know, I, I, I probably, probably not. Okay. She said, okay. All right. So I'm driving. Now every guy, hopefully every guy does this as you're driving. Do you not begin to repack your suitcase in the back of your head? you do that? After I've left, I'm driving, and I'm saying, did I pack this? Did I pack that? I went through every item and I realized that the one thing that I had brought, I had brought black shorts that I was going to wear and a shirt, a tuck-in shirt, not a cool leave the shirt tell out shirt, but a tuck-in shirt. And so if you have shorts and you have a tuck-in shirt, what else do you need? You need a belt. And I had some shorts on that I had that really didn't need a belt, so I didn't have a belt with those. And I realized I had no belt. That's kind of a geeby look uh, on that. So I realized this just as I'm getting close to the resort that we're staying. It's, it's at Lake Lanier. And there's nothing there. I mean, there's nothing on the road. And as I drove by, I saw a little strip mall with about five or six stores in there. None of them looked like a clothing store. I got out of the car, went into, it's almost like a quick mart. And I said, you know, I'm looking for a, a you know, a belt. And I was wondering, is there any kind of a men's store anywhere around here? And John says, no, there's not, but I got me some belts over there. You want to look at? Oh, really? So I go over and looking at the belts. And every one of them had writing on them, you know? It was on the back, NASCAR, uh, Dale Jr., <laughs> the South will rise again, <laughs> Dixie. Oh, great. <laughs> Where am I going to find it here? <laughs> so finally, there's a black belt. I couldn't believe it. This is great. And I just took it, kind of put it around my waist, looked like it fit okay, and I said, Man, I got it. Took it to me, said, that'd be $5. I said, oh yeah, baby. I said, here's $5. I got my belt. It was great. Drove to the check-in, got into my room, put on those black shorts, put that belt on. Well, when I put that belt on, a little bit bigger uh, than what I remembered. And I had to pull it all the way to where I had the very last hole. And then the rest of it, it almost could stick in my pocket. It's flipping on way over here. And I sat there, I looked in the mirror, and I just started laughing. I said, I haven't seen people in 40 years. When I come and meet them, I'm going to walk up to them. And this could have been the picture. The picture is, hey, they look at Danny and say, hey, did you just get back from The Biggest Loser? Uh, Saw that belt of yours. You think that's something. Here's a picture five by seven of my mother and my sister. (laughs) Hey, here we go. (laughs) Oh, man. So. Just to let you know, you need to meet together as a family. And it was fun, and it was great, and, and you know we've seen some emails and stuff on that, but nothing was better than just being face-to-face, sitting down talking to someone, catching up. We need to meet together as a family. And we meet together as a family. And the reason we meet together with a family is to do just a couple things. Number one, share with people. Folks, this is why we meet together as a family and to have this time of, of, uh, of, of fellowship. Share with God's people. You say, well, what do you share? First of all, you share your experiences. You share your experiences. Now, I want to tell you this. This a little bit different angle where you think I'm coming from. When I say share your experiences, do you have any idea the wealth of information and experiences that are located in this church here? It is unbelievable. And the Bible talks about iron sharpening iron. There are people here that if you need some help in parenting, they can give it to you. You need some help in your career, they can give you some great insight. You need some help in financial planning, they can help you with that. You've got some decisions about college and some directions and some majors that you want to get in, they can help you with that. There are all kinds of people in here. There are some things I know that you don't know. And there are some things that you know that I don't know. And there's someone sitting next to you that knows things that you nor I know. There are experiences. And so as a family, we meet together. One of the great things is to be able to just to share experiences, learn from others. This place can be an incredible help to you. And I bet we could go around this room and do testimonies of when you said, you know, I was just in a Sunday school class or I was sitting in the concourse. I brought up some subject. So-and-so comes over here and begins to talk. And they gave me some wise insight that I'd never thought of. And it helped me tremendously. If we'll just spend time together we share our experiences, you need to share your problems. You share with God's people, you share your problems. And that is, you share your struggles, you share about your health, share about your family, you share about parenting concerns, health concerns, struggles, addictions, you name it, you should be able to share it with God's family over here. Now, here's our problem. The problem is that when you look around and you're in this big church, you think everyone here is really spiritual and they've got their life all together and that you are the anomaly. Can I give you a scoop here? Every person here thinks they're the anomaly because every person here knows they don't have it all together. But yet they don't want to say anything because they think they're the anomaly. And everybody else over here Super spiritual, got it all together. Listen, we look great on Sunday mornings. And I'll do the same thing with you. I'll put a big smile and I'll be as happy as I can be. And I may be dying on the inside. And that's not a, it's not bad. But when it gets bad is when you get to the point that no one will feel comfortable sharing because they think everybody's always happy. But there are great times in the family of God that you should be able to, to go to family members here and say, I'm really struggling in this, I'm really hurting here. And it could be marriage, could be career, could be whatever, to say, there's just some pain I'm going through. And we need to be able to share that within the family. Who better to share that with than people who have something in common? Lost, saved, struggle, broken vessels. We all got that in common. And that's what the family needs to be. I read a book a long time ago talked about exit interviews, why people would leave the church. And a lot of people left the church because they didn't feel there was any mercy in the church. And as they were going through their struggles, they just didn't feel anybody else wanted to own up that they had some of those similar struggles. And this should be the place where we should be able to say, you know what? I'm struggling with that too. And only by the power of God and His Holy Spirit am I able to go day by day. And that is where we can come together, share our problems And I believe we can be strengthened by it. There are times when you share your problems and and experiences. Some of you have walked down the road of cancer. When I had to walk down my road of cancer, there were people in this church that I called, I talked to, and they said, hey, I've been down that. I'll answer any questions that you have. And it helped me tremendously. There are others that are walking down other health situations and there are people in this church that have done the same thing and you can talk to them and they can tell you their journey and they can help you. That's part of being a family. We're able to share our problems, share our struggles, and then be able to get strength from that. That doesn't mean that you've got to fix everybody's problem. Sometimes just being able to share a problem with someone and have somebody put their arm on your shoulder and say, I'm hurting for you. Can I pray for you? And I promise you that I'll lift you up and I'll pray for you each day. That's what it is. That's part of being God's family. So we share, okay? We share our experiences, we share our problems, and then we share our joys. We share our joys. You got to share joys with God's people. That's one of the great things about having family is when something good happens, you get to share it with them. When I do a wedding ceremony, many times in the wedding ceremony, I'll say one of the great things about a couple, or in this case, a friend, is whenever friends share a sorrow, that sorrow is halved. And whenever friends share a joy, that joy is doubled. And that is true. You make the team, you want to tell somebody. You got straight A's, you want to tell somebody. And make a copy of it for proof. But, you know, you, you, when, you make, when you make the great grades, you, you make the honor society, you make the team, you get the promotion, uh, you find the, the right girl that you want to get married to, or the girl gets engaged to this guy, and they're all excited, you want to show the ring. This is where you want to come. This is the joys that you want to share. We're family, folks. And that's why it's important to meet together, because when you don't meet together, you miss out on those things. And, you know, and I'd much rather be there and hear it live than to read about it on Facebook. It'd be great to be there and to be a part and allow someone to share that with us. And the very last thing is to love on God's people. Since we're part of a family, we're the family at Shades Mountain Baptist Church. We are to share with God's people. but We're to love on God's people. Jesus talking to his disciples that night that he was to be arrested said by this, all people will know that you're my disciples. If you have love for one another, you can take that verse and you can make it uh, a generalization for all people. But in this context, specifically, he's looking those disciples in the eyes and he's saying, guys, they're going to know that you're followers of mine. By the way, you love one another. Look around guys. The way that you love one another that's the way we need to be we need to love one another people in the church are like porcupines in a snowstorm we need to be close to each other to get warm but we get pricked if we get too close and that's usually what happens and sometimes we're hard to love i understand that sometimes i'm hard to love as your pastor sometimes you're hard to love as a layperson. Sometimes there are people sitting around you that you say, man, that one's a tough one to love. But that's our call. We're family. And that is that we are to love one another. And you know what? When we start, we are like those porcupines because as we start getting close to each other, we'll get a little prickly, a little bit under skin at times. But we just need to keep loving and supporting each other. And see, that's what separates the church from the world. And that's why when people come walking through these doors, they pick up on the Spirit. And I hear this so much. Boy, you guys feel like y'all really do love each other. You can't make that up. But that should really be the DNA of every church, that we love one another. You know why? It's because we're family. It's one of the great images of the church. And as that family, we meet together. We fellowship. We have in common. And just always remember the things that you have in common. Every person that you meet in this church, you have in common. We were lost, we're now saved, we have struggles, and we're a broken vessel. And we're depending on God's spirit every day. And as we depend on his spirit every day and make that walk with him, we'll be stronger as a believer and we'll be stronger as a church. Let me ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment. Heavenly Father, I... I thank you that as we look at images and try and describe what the church is, that, uh, that we are to be a family. And, uh, and you have laid out exactly how this is to take place. And so I pray today for for our church family. I pray for those that are here that um, whatever struggles they may be going through, that they know that they have people that love them and will support them. And I pray for those, Lord, that have not made a decision about a local church family and that you speak to their hearts. And if this is the place where they need to join, then let that be it. If it's not, then I pray you help them find the place and to find it quickly so they can be a part of the family and to be able to share, share their experiences, share problems, and share joys. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.